So we welcome you. This is promise number four in our series, The Promises of God. Now we're learning there are 8,000 promises in the Bible, right? 365 of those promises. One promise for every day of the year is a promise that God has given directly to us. Now, because of time, we can't study all the promises, but we are studying what we're calling God's great and precious seven. Okay? And this morning, we're looking at God's promise of protection. Now, I'll never forget uh, one of the more dramatic moments that God protected me. It was in 2001. I was actually with Pastor Larry, along with two other gentlemen, and we were flying into China, mainland China, and as we were entering in, we knew we were carrying some things that were not legal to the government, but were legal to God. Are you following me? And we knew the risk of carrying these things into China, and so there's a lot of prayer. So Larry and one of his friends decided to, we decided to split up. Larry and a buddy go in a different line. I, with a guy named Vernon, a president of an organization, went in another line, and, and we're coming through customs. And I noticed uh, Vernon and I happened to choose the line that security was searching every other person. I mean, throwing their stuff out, suitcases on the ground, and they just did it at random, and I'm in that line, and I'm like, there's Vernon and I, I'm like, one of us is gonna get searched. They were searching every other person. And I began praying, praying that it'd be Vernon that would get searched. <laughs> Here's your fearless pastor, right? I am praying, I, I, actually, I, I was just like, Lord, protect us. Well, about 10 feet before that line ended, a miracle, a Chinese lady out of nowhere steps between Vernon and myself. Vernon gets through, the Chinese lady gets searched, I get through, yeah. And I'm like, thank you, Lord, for your protection. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, question. What would your life be like if you could live with the absolute confidence that God would always protect you? No matter where, no matter what. I bet you'd sleep better. I bet you'd rest better. I bet you'd be more courageous. I wonder what you might possibly be missing out on right now. Because maybe you would admit, you know, I really don't know how to claim the promise of God's protection. God wants us to learn to claim this promise. So this morning, we're gonna ask some questions and answer them about the promise of God's protection and in the process, learn how to claim the promise of God's protection. Here's the first question. Where is the promise of God's protection found? Well, all over the Bible, but especially is it found here, and this is the scripture I'd like you to memorize in Psalm 32, verse seven, where God says this, I mean, this is about God. You are my hiding place. David wrote this. You will protect me from trouble. Would you underline, protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance? David wrote this psalm. Now, many believe, most scholars, believe that David had Masada in mind when he wrote, you are my hiding place. Here's a picture of Masada. Now, Masada is this massive natural, you know, fortress on the west side of the Dead Sea. 
The cliffs on this side, on the east side that you're looking at right now, go up 1,300 feet. You take a gondola all the way up to the top. And many believe that David fled to this very place at times for our protection from Saul. And David is saying, God, you are my Masada. You are my protection as he's writing this psalm. And the word protect is the Hebrew word natsar, and it's used 63 times in the Old Testament, and it literally means guard, watch, keep, preserve, but most of all, it's used to mean protect. Now, now the next question, that's where it's found, and it's all over the Bible, but I gave you one key promise to memorize, but what does the promise of God's protection mean? And very simply, God will protect you. He'll watch over you. God's got your back. He will hide you when that's needed to protect you. He will deliver you when that's needed to protect you. He'll bring you through the line so you don't go to jail when that's what's needed to protect you. Notice the protector is God. You are the protectee. And God's promise is to protect you. Now, I want you to picture this. I was trying to think, how could I picture this for you visually? Picture this is you. You're the little index finger, and here's God. God's protection comes over you in your entirety. In other words, God's protection is comprehensive. It's body, soul, spirit, family, business, home, health, dot, dot, dot. Now, another psalm where the promise of God's protection is stated here, Psalm 121, verse 7, the Lord will keep you, the word keep you, not sar, protect you, from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now, watch this, God's protection is for now, in this life, and what does it say? Forevermore, for your eternal life. His protection covers that. So God's protection is for you and all of you for now, this life, and for all eternity. Now, some of you are thinking, and you should be thinking this, if your thinking cap is on right now, Mark, this seems too good to be true. I think this is kind of pie-in-the-sky promise because you're thinking there are times in my life pastor, where I think I've experienced a lack of God's protection at times. And my question to you would be, really? Are you sure? Or have you just not learned to claim the promise of God's protection, even in those times when you think that God is not protecting you? Hang on to that question. We're going to answer it a little bit later. Right now, just again, what does the promise of God's protection mean? It means this, God is your Masada. He is gonna protect you for now and for all eternity. Now watch this. It's one thing to believe the truth of God's protective power. It's another thing to claim the promise of God's protection over your life and actually begin to reap the benefits of claiming that promise. This series really is not about the promises of God because there's 365 of them. We're only going to study seven. What this series is really about is teaching you how to claim these seven promises. So what's the difference between believing a truth and claiming a promise? About 18 inches from here to there. It's got to go to here if you're ever going to claim a promise and reap the benefits of that promise. So how, your question should be, how can I claim the promise of God's protection? Three ways, three things the Bible teaches. Number one, first way to claim the promise of God's protection you got to claim the countless times that God has faithfully protected you already. 
In other words, you've got to think back. And is this you? You want to claim the promise of God's protection? You've got to look back in your life at the landscape of your life and think about the many times God has already faithfully protected you. And that needs to be like right there in your mind. And it's amazing to me how quick we can forget how God has already protected us when we look back in our life. We skip over that. But God's like, no, 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 no. You wanna claim this promise of my protection? You gotta remember the ways I've already protected you, okay? Now, let's look at some scriptures on that. Deuteronomy 23, 14. For the Lord your God moves about in your camp to protect you. Now, the camp there is the home for the Israelites. Now, think about how many times God has protected you in your home. I have so many stories. We built our home, so 20 years ago, we're building our home. I've shared, I think, this story before with you, but there was a skill saw back then. They were much heavier, at least 10 pounds back than they are today. They're wireless and all that, you know? But there was a skill saw. I was on a top plate about 15 feet above me where my brother was working. I was down below, probably telling Todd what to do. But I stepped on the cord of this skill saw, and it came falling down and just missed my head and literally went through the, the subfloor big old gash there. I'm like, Lord, protected me. There was another time I was walking outside and I picked up a little, this kind of piece of metal and underneath it, this is just on the side of our house, is a rattlesnake. Coiling, looking at me. I'm like, what? You've had, you have stories. There was one time, and I, I'm a, I have to admit how foolish I am. Sometimes God is so gracious, he even protects us when we're foolish, you know? One day I locked myself out of the house. I didn't have any key, no one was around. And I'm like, what? There was one window open, and it was in the second story, it was a bathroom window, and I could see the window open. Well, there was a ladder, I got up on the roof. This is 15 feet in the air at least, and underneath it is pure concrete. The only way I could reach that window is I had to jump outside, midair, grab the windowsill, and pull myself in. <laughs> and I was at least, what, 30 years old at the time? I mean, duh. You know, the Lord protected me. Look at this. It's same with you. You've done some crazy things. Joshua 24, 17. It was the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up out of Egypt and protected us on our entire journey and among the nations through which we traveled. Think about all the travel, all the journeys, right? In your life, all the vacations, all the time you're on the road, in a plane, whatever, and God has protected you. Are you kidding me? We need to remember that. Some of you have very vivid memories. God has given you that memory so that you can claim the promise of his protection. I've got tons of memories because I travel the world. I can tell you story after story. Even one time, driving a Corvette through the state of Utah late at night. And, you know, when you're in a Corvette, you're going a pretty good rate per hour. And I hit black ice, and I remember just spinning. And there's traffic and trucks, and somehow we came to a halt, and I'm just in a sweat, and yet God protected us. Wow. Another verse, Ezra 8, 31. The hand of our God was on us, and he protected us from our enemies and bandits along the way. How many times has God protected you from certain individuals that like to do you harm? You don't even know because they didn't do you harm. But some of you know you just barely escaped, and God is giving you that memory. Why? So you can claim the promise of his protection. This is just the first step. 
Now, what should we do? What should our response be for the faithfulness of God's protection? Psalm 78, verse four. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. We should praise God because of this protection. And guess what? We're gonna do it right now. What's the first step? Claim the countless times God has faithfully protected you. You gotta look back. Claim God's faithfulness, his protection. Do that at your tables right now. Here's your discussion question. Can you share about a time when you are sure God protected you in your past? Talk about it. All right, let's look at the second way to claim the promise of God's protection. First, we need to look back, look to the past, and claim the many times God has been faithful to protect us, and the second is this. Claim that regardless of the circumstances, God's protection is always with you in the here and now. This is where you have to look at the present and take note of God's protective hand on you right now, right now. This is really important because it's amazing how quick we can conclude that God's protection has somehow left us because of our circumstances. And that's never the case. But it's so easy for us to fall into trap. Where are you, God? And his protection is right with you. But you haven't yet learned to claim his protective promise in the midst of your circumstances because your immaturity is unable to look past your circumstances at God's current protection. And we want to address that right now. Now, notice this scripture in Psalm 27, verse 5. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will protect me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Now, underline, for in the day of trouble, and then he will protect me. Do you notice that trouble and God's protection coexist in the same sentence? They go together. Trouble does not mean the promise of God's protection is left to you. So let's get practical. Maybe you're having trouble right now with your marriage or your kids or your finances or your health or your home or your car or whatever. Now, why are we so often so quick to think when trouble strikes, this means, you know, it must mean God's protection is no longer with me. Why? Because we've not yet learned to claim the promise of God's protection. Watch this, regardless of the circumstances. You say, how do you do that? We're gonna teach you right now. See, this is how God works in real life, not pie in the sky, imaginary life, but in reality, this is how God works in our lives. Trouble does not mean God's protection has left us. Never, never. Trouble is always the opportunity, the context for God's protection to show up for the glory of God. Now, let me illustrate this for you because I think you need an illustration here to just cement this. And I think after this, you're gonna go, yeah, why have I never thought of that before? So let's take Daniel. Now, you can read about the story later in Daniel chapter six, but I wanna just tell you the story because I think it will be more powerful than reading it. Daniel's a man of integrity, right? We know that. He's a godly man. He's in a high position of authority in the Medo-Persian Empire. 550 BC is when this story took place. Daniel so distinguishes himself that King Darius was gonna appoint him second in power only to himself in the kingdom. Daniel's fellow associates, they turned very jealous. And they said to one another, we will never find an accusation against Daniel unless it's with his religion. So they formulated the devious plan, right? 
So they go to King Darius, and they say, hey, how about if we make a law in your honor, if anyone prays to any man or God other than you for the next 30 days, that person will be thrown in the lion's den. King Darius says, sounds good to me. Let's decree it. Now, Daniel, of course, his practice was to pray three times a day. And Daniel's a man of conviction. He's a godly man. He pays no attention to the decree, and Daniel continues to pray. And of course, Daniel gets caught, and he is brought before the king. And Daniel's associates, they say, King Darius, Daniel pays no attention to your uh, decree. The law says Daniel must be thrown into the lion's den. And the king was greatly distressed because he knew that these guys set Daniel up, and he loved Daniel. And he tried desperately to figure out how to go around this, but a king's decree can't be changed. And so King Darius reluctantly gave the order and told Daniel, remember what he said? May the God you serve protect, not Tsar, protect you. And the king, you remember, he couldn't sleep all night. Early in the morning, king rises and he runs the lion's den and calls out. Remember what he called out? Daniel, Daniel, has your God protected you from the lions? Now, for me, I would, have, I would have played around with him and not said anything. That would be me. But, you know, Daniel, Daniel 6.22, I probably would have growled like a lion. I don't know. I'm a little weird. But Daniel said, Daniel 6.22, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouth of the lions. Okay, note very important point. Did God protect Daniel? Yes. But you've got to think this through. You've got to think this through. Daniel was still thrown into the lion's den. Did Daniel break his ankle when he's thrown in that hole? Typically, that's what it was. It was a drop into the den, about 10 feet down. Did he skin his knee? Did he go without food? Did he go without water? Did he not sleep very well? Did he, as he was walking around, step on a little bit of lions? I don't know. What are we saying? Point is this. God's protection over our lives is comprehensive. It includes everything, but God's protection doesn't mean, watch this, God will always protect you the way you think God should protect you. So, grasshopper. That's a powerful, life-changing truth when you get that. In other words, you and I need, watch this, to hold the promise of God's protection in one hand and then the promise of God's purpose in another hand because they go together. Wow. See, there are times God says, I'm at work in your life. I know what I'm doing. I am sovereign God. I only know what I'm doing. And it's a purpose that you can't fully understand. Yes, you at times are going to experience some painful things, sometimes some very painful things. But this is what you can always count on, regardless of the circumstance. I will always, 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 always protect you. But my protection may not come in the form that you think it always should. But my protection never leaves you, my child. It's always there. God will not protect you 
from that which will perfect you, as we heard this morning. Now, I want you to think about this. If Daniel never experienced the difficulty of the lion's den, and let make no mistake about it, that was a difficulty, then the whole purpose why God allowed the lion's den to happen would never come about. And the same thing is true in your life. If you would have never experienced the difficulty of your lion's den moment, cancer, car accident, divorce, see, God uses these things, causes them all work together for the good, then guess what God's overall purpose through it all would never have even come about. So a question would become, well, what was God's purpose for the lion's den experience? And we know that. It's in Daniel 6, 25. Then King Darius wrote, I issued a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. See, the lion's den difficulty, watch this, and protection, they go together, became the gateway, the platform for the worship of the one true God to be broadcast to the entire Medo-Persian Empire. Are you following that? Without the difficulty and the deliverance, there would never have been the broadcasting, a decree going out to the entire nation to worship the God of Daniel. And see, that is what God is doing in your life as well. He has a purpose. And he's providential. How do we claim the promise of God's protection? Right in the here and now. You claim that regardless of your circumstances, God's protection is always with you, but God's protection may not always look like I think it should look. But it is there, and you trust the Lord with faith. You claim that promise. You claim it. And yes, that takes a mature Christian to do that. Because there's a lot of wimpy Christians out there. But God, he will not protect you from that which will perfect you. How long is it gonna take for you to learn? It's not about, oftentimes, you know, our comfort, but our character. And what God is doing in this world to bring people to the purpose for which Jesus died, that's salvation. God is at work. Mm. Look at Proverbs 2.8. For he protects the way of his faithful ones. That is God's promise to you. That's comprehensive. All right, let's talk about it. Can you share about a difficult lion's den circumstance where even then you don't think God protected you the way you wanted to, but now you look back at it and you go, God, you did protect me. God's protection was with you. Talk about that at your tables. Go for it. Three ways to claim the promise of God's protection. You got to look back. You got to look to the past and recount that many times God has faithfully protected you. You've got to look at the present. You got to say, despite these circumstances, Lord, I see the way that you are protecting me regardless. It's not what I would choose, but I'm trusting you for your protection even in the present, and I praise you for it. Third way to claim the promise of God's protection is you gotta look to the future. And this is where you claim the wonder of your spiritual protection, which is present, but also very future. And I wanna explain that. So let me begin by sharing this. Notice what Jesus taught about who we should fear. 
Matthew 10, 28 to 29. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body and cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Who is that? As God. What is Jesus saying? He's saying your greatest fear should be reserved for God. Wow. Jesus said this, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? Jesus is saying, what good is it if you find all the protection this life has to offer if you gain the whole world, but then you lose your very soul in hell for all eternity? Wow. See, the most important protection in life is not physical or material or financial or anything this world has to offer. It's spiritual protection. I don't know how you are thinking about your salvation, but you need to understand how precious your salvation is because it's very easy. Satan wants you to take for granted the profoundness of what Jesus has done in your life spiritually. Watch this. Jesus protects you from God. Let me ask you some questions that I wonder if you've ever even asked yourself before. But if you want to claim the promise of God's protection, you've got to start asking yourself these questions. Do you have spiritual protection from God? Another way to say it, are you protected from God? Another way to say it, who is protecting you from God? Hebrews 10, 31 it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Can you imagine falling into the hands of the living God who spoke this universe into existence? Falling into his hands? Look at math, or Hebrews 9.27. Man is destined to die and after that face the judgment. That's what happens. That's the order. You die and you face God. Woo. That's not for the person sitting next to you. That's for you. You will die. You will face God. I will die. I will face God. Job said something very interesting as he was in the throes of pain trying to understand why all this difficulty was coming upon him. And look at Job 9.33-34. It's on your outline. Job said this, If only there were someone to arbitrate between us. That's God and Job. That's what Job is saying. To lay his hand upon us both, someone to remove God's rod from me so that his terror would not frighten me anymore. You see, Job, Job was saying this. If only there was a mediator between me and God, and this is what Job is saying in this life, can you imagine what people will be screaming when they die without Jesus. That, beloved, is terror. Now, I knew this was going to be a heavy moment, but it's so real. So take your Bibles and go to Revelation 20, and I want to get even a little more scarier with you. Believe me, comfort is coming but I need to scare the hell out of you first. <laughs> and in some ways, and I shouldn't say I, but the Holy Spirit. 
This, I believe, is the most terrifying passage in all the Bible. The book of Revelation tells about the end, right? I preached a whole series on the end. You can get it. You can purchase it. You ought to know what the Bible says about how the end of this world is going to conclude. And part of it is this scripture right here. I'm only going to read it briefly because I preached a whole hour on it. Book of Revelation tells us there will be a great tribulation. At the end of that tribulation, there will be the second coming of Jesus Christ, a millennial kingdom. At the end of that millennial kingdom, which is a thousand-year reign here on earth of Jesus, there will be a judgment. Every unbeliever will face this judgment. This is where they, you die once and you face God. This is the description of that judgment that is terrifying. Then I saw a great white throne. Picture a great white throne. God is on this throne. You before this throne. Picture that. Now the you here is only if you don't know Jesus. Because you, if you're a Christian, you're saved. You're saved from this future judgment. Earth and sky fled from his presence and there was no place for them because earth and sky are going to be completely remade at this time in history. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. The dead are unbelievers. And books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead, unbelievers, were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. See, it's like, you want to die without Jesus and you believe you're good enough to get into heaven? God says, okay, I'm going to keep a book on all your deeds and we're just going to open up the book and start reading and we'll see if that's good enough to get you in. You want to re reject my son, his death for you on the cross, my love for you? Okay, let's read the book. And what you don't see in this, in this passage is any non-believer saying a word because they are absolutely condemned by their own deeds. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. That's hell. The lake of fire is the second death. What do you mean, the second death? An unbeliever dies once physically to be resurrected and die again in hell. They die twice. If anyone's name is not written in the book of life, he is thrown in the lake of fire. But guess what? If you believe on Jesus, your name is written in the book of life. And guess what? You have protection. But why? Yeah, Hallelujah. Some of you have never thought about your salvation as protection before. It's the ultimate protection. It's the ultimate insurance policy, so to speak. But watch this. If you don't know Jesus, you should be terrified right now. You should be absolutely terrified. Because if you died, you would face this judgment. But if you believe, you are exempt. Now, this is what I want to do. I do not want one Christian walking out of here afraid, yes, respecting of God. God loves you. You're his child. You're never gonna face this judgment. Jesus took the judgment for you. And I want you to understand that. If you're not a Christian and you're here, yes, you should be shaking in your boots and you should come to Jesus and surrender your life to him today because he is your advocate. He is the one to go between. He's the one to bring you to heaven. But I want you to walk from here with the absolute assurance that you have spiritual protection. So, let's look at the Bible. Let's go, I'm gonna look at what Jesus taught, what Paul taught, and what John taught. So let's go back to John. Go to John chapter three. The most famous scripture in all the Bible, right? 
Let's see what Jesus said about this protection you have. John chapter 3. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And the, the reason I'm not putting out these verses for I want you to see them. For God so loved the world, verse 16, John 3, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, that's a Christian, right? This is your salvation. What does it say? Shall not what? Perish. That means you're not going to go to hell, but you're going to have what? Eternal life. Wow. You skip the judgment, eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. See, watch this, we're all born condemned. The only one who uncondemns us is Jesus when we put our faith in him. Are you following me? Go to John chapter five. Let's just look at a couple more scriptures here. Jesus, what he taught about how we escape the judgment because he protects us. Verse 24, tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, that's you if you're a Christian, you believe, has eternal life. I will not be condemned. You're not gonna face the great white throne judgment. You've crossed over from death to life. Look at verse 28. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. The good are those who are believers. The only goodness in, in us is Jesus. Do you understand that everyone's gonna live forever, right? You get that. Every human being is created in God's image, they're gonna live forever. And every human being will, will experience a resurrection. You cannot live in heaven forever without a resurrected, completely new-made body. You cannot live in hell forever without a resurrected, completely new-made body fit for hell. This is real stuff. Your salvation protects you from all eternity from hell. It's amazing. Look at, let's look at what Paul said. I'll go to real, real quick more about Jesus, John chapter 10, verse 27. This is so good. My sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. You are in God's hand, you're covered by him, no one can snatch you. Go to Romans chapter five. Let's look at Paul real quick, Romans five. What he talked about, our protection. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through faith, we're justified. What's justification? God declaring you just as if you've never sinned. That's justification. And because of that, you now have peace with God. You're not gonna enter into judgment. Romans chapter eight, verse one. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I love it. Take your Bibles, turn to, toward the back. Go to 1 John chapter two, verse one. I love this verse. 1 John chapter two, verse one. My dear friends, or my dear children, I write this to you. Now, just follow along here because this is where we're at as Christians. We wonder, how does this affect me when I do sin? My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, and that's all of us, right? We at times sin. What's gonna happen? Am I gonna go to the judgment? No, no, look, look, look. We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Are you connecting the dots? You see, Jesus is the answer to Job's request and prayer. 
If only there would be a mediator between me and God. Jesus is the answer to any sane human being who naturally wonders, how can I, a sinner, stand before and be accepted by a holy God? How is that possible? Guess what? In and of ourselves, it's not possible. The answer is, through faith in Jesus Christ, by God's grace, Jesus becomes your mediator before a holy God. And Satan is the accuser of the brethren, right? We know Satan right now goes into heaven and he accuses God about you. He says, well, look at this guy. Look at this gal. They sin, and you're going to let them into God? And God's going, yeah, I guess my job. And all of a sudden, Jesus speaks up. Uh, Father, excuse me, that one that Satan's referring to, uh, they put their faith in me. They have my imputed righteousness. They are pure and holy because of my blood. They believed on me, uh, Father, therefore, I defend them. They are under my protection. And the Father says, oh, yes, I, I did think I, I recognized them. Come on in. Do you have that protection? If you are a Christian and you believed on Jesus Christ, you have no idea, and I don't even know, I can't comprehend how, Awesome it is to know Jesus and the protection I have before a holy God, and one day I will be welcomed to heaven because I'm protected under God's mighty hand. Is that something to be excited about? Let's thank the Lord for what he's done in our lives because of the cross. So how do we claim, you know, this promise? You've got to claim the promise about this future security that you have because of the present relationship you have with God. <laughs> Guess what, brother? You're not going to great white throne judgment. I get excited about that. Thank you, Jesus, because of what you've done. Let's talk about this. Why do we forget or even downplay the awesome spiritual protection we possess in Christ? What are some of the reasons why we forget about this? Or we downplay it or we don't think of it as significant as it truly is? Talk about that at your tables. Okay, let's look at the final question. What is the primary benefit given to the person who claims the promise of God's protection. In other words, if you learn to claim the promise of God's protection in these three ways, like we've taught this morning, look into your past, your present, and your future, what's the benefit that's gonna come to your life? In one word, it's this, security. I mean, it's a terrible thing to live an insecure life, to feel like you're absolutely vulnerable. I mean, that's scary. No one likes the feeling a feeling as if you're insecure. But if we go through life claiming the promise of God's protection, we will go through life now and for eternity with the sense of security, capital S, that comes to the person who claims the promise of God's protection. Psalm 32, 7, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Why does God promise his protection for our lives? You want to know why? One of the biggest reasons. So you can live a secure life. And let me get a secure Christian is an amazing testimony. Incredible. You can face death with security. That's unbelievable. That's the benefit. But that only comes, watch it. That doesn't, the, the benefit of security doesn't come just to Yes, positionally it comes to all Christians, 
But the benefit of claiming and experiencing security only comes to Christians who claim the promise of God's protection. You gotta claim it. Just can't believe it up here. You gotta claim it down here. Now, I was trying to figure out how I could illustrate this for you, and I thought about a story that I experienced <clears throat> a few years back in Home Builders. Uh, There's a gentleman that was here, and he would sit very close to me, like right over here. And this guy was a very fit Asian man. I mean, I was like striking. And a couple Sundays, you know, and finally I, I came up to him and I introduced myself to him. Hi, Mark. I'm Mark. What's your name? And he said, my name's Bruce. And I go, Bruce, I go, where are you from? He goes, well, I'm from South Korea. I said, what are you, what's going on? He goes, well, I'm here for two months of vacation, much needed vacation. I'm like, man, Bruce, I go, what do you do? And he said, well, I'm a bodyguard. I go, well, it doesn't surprise me. And I said, well, who are you a bodyguard for? And he said, well, I'm a bodyguard for Pastor Cho, who was the pastor of, at that point, the largest church in the world, several million people. I go, wow, that's cool. And I go, why are you here? He goes, and he, he looked at me, he goes, because God has called me to be your bodyguard for the next two months. <laughs> and I'm like, so, and he just said that to me. He goes, no, humbly, he goes, this is what I, is my call in life, my training. And I'm like, wow. So there he was, week after week, sitting right here. <laughs> no, I need to share with you. My level of personal security on a scale of, say, 1 to 100 was like 100 plus. I mean, I need to share with you. When he was here, there, on Sundays, I, I was just hoping someone would mess with me. I was like, I hope this is the day someone charges me. I mean, my personal security was off the hook. Why? Because, oh, and by the way, I nicknamed him, <clears throat> I nicknamed him Bruce Lee. Because I had Bruce Lee as my sworn personal security guard sitting right here. I'm like, dude, I felt good. Now I've got you. I'm a little bit freaking out. <laughs> Why don't you stand up? Come here. No, you don't want to. Okay, I understand. I'm just joking. <clears throat> What's the point? 24-7, you have God! That's the point. And the only reason you would think you don't have God is because guess what? You have not learned to claim the promise of God's protection. Hmm. God has sworn to you to be your personal bodyguard, protector, 24-7 for this life and the life to come. It's all through the Bible. And God wants to pour his blessing of his security deep in our lives, but you and I have got to come to the point where we begin to just not believe it up here, but we claim it down here. Does that make sense? So how do you do that? Would you... And I look to our past and claim the amazing times God has protected us and never forget those stories. Would you in the present, regardless of your circumstances, go, God, you are so good to protect me, even though I wouldn't choose to protect me this way. You have, and you're still so faithful, and it's amazing. And then would you look to your future and go, it is unbelievable, God, that I am not gonna face that great white throne judgment because of Jesus. You have protected me spiritually from God the holiness of God, 
and I praise you, and I promise you, you claim those promises, let me tell you, it's gonna transform your life, and you're gonna start living with the security that God wants us to experience. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.